Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome to this edition of All Options Considered. I'm Tanvir Sandhu, Chief Global Director Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. On this episode, we will focus on the UK following the June BOE meeting and the relentless volatility in the UK bond market. I'll be joined by Dan Hansen, Senior UK Economist at Bloomberg Economics. Firstly, just to summarise in general what's going on in the vol markets across asset classes, in rates, Volatility continues to be elevated, particularly in the UK, given the right tail of the rates distribution is arguably most relevant in the UK. It may be the last to see volatility normalise. S&P 500 volatility is at a year low as the market has rallied led by AI and we suspect overwriting strategies may gain traction. In regards to G10 FX volatility, it remains low and it's a function of the lack of directional conviction and the choppy relationships with other asset classes. So let's get into the UK eco. Dan, good to have you on. Thanks for having me. So the BOE hiked 50 basis points at the June meeting with a 7-2 split, which has taken the bank rate to a 15-year high. The market reaction made sense to me in the sense that the BOE is hiking more now and less later. So what we saw was the market pricing in a higher peak, but sooner cuts. So we have this flattening of the yield curve. So if core inflation remains resilient while headline is falling, the pricing of those cuts may get pushed out because the BOE may not have that option to cut. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, broadly, that's that's right, I think. I mean, I think the reaction was correct. I mean, I th- one thing I sort of observed going into the meeting was like all all other economists or nearly all other economists I should say we had 25 but the data definitely justified the 50 so I think it's not a huge surprise but it wasn't it wasn't the central expectation but you're absolutely right about I mean the core inflation and in particular services inflation that's what to watch going like how to sort of gauge what they're going to do going forward I mean it's really interesting you heard an interview from Bailey straight afterwards and he's saying he's not giving a steer on the next rate move but if you read the minutes there's no pushback against market pricing for a six percent peak so you know that they're, they're definitely um they're definitely thinking whatever they're thinking it's not going to be a million miles from that you know they only push back if there's a real disconnect but yeah i think i think you're right core inflation is the thing to watch i mean the other dynamic that is going to take hold in the second half of the year we think at least and into 2024 is the sort of the real economy side which is a bit as you know it's been very resilient but with rates at this level there's going to be some pain. It seems to me like a, having a recession in your forecast now has to be a sort of baseline scenario. So the BOE is essentially dancing around a recession by doing more now. And the long end of the yield curve is factoring in that growth narrative. So we're kind yeah. of transitioning at the long end of the curve from the inflation risk to now the growth risk. Yeah, that's right. So the volatility in the back end of the curve probably goes down and it's mostly focused at the front end, as essentially we are in a meeting-by-meeting, data-dependent environment. And the next question is going to be around 
is the BOE going to do another 50 yep. or they're going to step down to 25 and it's purely going to be dependent upon the incoming data yeah i mean that's i mean they noted that in the minutes as well that the responsiveness of markets and the movements in markets they become much more sensitive to the to the data flow the question about volatility for the bank i think is sort of they do have to ask themselves are they injecting it or are they suppressing it it's just very different to the fed it's very different to the ecb and it makes it very hard as a bank watcher to really gauge what they're going to do next and have any conviction in in where things are going to go there's no sort of anchor in their view and i realize that's been made very hard by what's happened with inflation you know you look at your bloomberg and you'll see economists some are going to say it's going to be 25 we think it's going to be 25 in august but some are going to say it's going to be 50 um, market thinks it's going to be 50 but it's ba- it's going to be it's going to hang on one cpi reading right there's one cpi reading and the upside prints we had recently pushed them to 50 right so exactly there's two sources of vol there that you mentioned firstly about the inflation surprises Inflation's been surprising pretty much over the last two years. And if we run a a near-term average on how inflation has been beating the surveys, it's running at about 0.4 of a percentage point. So that's a pretty volatile environment for the front end of the yield curve, which is one reason why the UK front end has the most volatility compared to the US and Europe. The second thing you mentioned was about the Bank of England being a source of volatility, and I agree with that. So if we go back to February when they hiked 50 basis points, they had new guidance back then suggesting that they're almost done, right? And then the market reprices, the data then you know, goes against the Bank of England, and then they come back and extend the hiking cycle, and now they've done 50 today. So is it wise for the Bank of England to make those suggestions in their guidance that they're for example back in february when they said they were pretty much nearly done in an environment where the macro volatility is pretty high it's a really good question because i i have a lot i mean the way you've characterized it there is absolutely right they have a in february it felt like they thought they get got to a point that if the data didn't surprise anymore they were done and they they've done the right thing it turns out the data is going to drag them perhaps as much as 200 basis points higher which is an un- I mean you know, if you asked me that back in February I'd have sort of laughed at you but we are where we are so do I think they should sort of give that sort of guidance I think you've seen it today they haven't pushed back against the market because they know they might think they might they might not go to six they might think maybe we could stop at five and a half but they're just so worried about being burnt by the June data perhaps even the July data and keep going so one thing I would say I don't think it would have hurt to have been a bit more vocal between meetings about what they were thinking they're significantly less directional than the fed and the ecb about what might come next and that does that adds to the volatility problem um, and, and that's what we've been seeing right the front end of the curve is just sloshing around as the probabilities around the outlook move about because essentially it's unanchored well that, and, and what's interesting about that point i think as well is that if you sort of took a view of what the market thinks of is as neutral like the neutral rate where things will end up that moves just as much you know rates on average over the next three years are about 150 basis points higher there's no long-term anchor in the market that says you know the neutral rate is three two and a half whatever you think it is that anchor moves as well yeah as as these surprises come in and that obviously is a significant source of volatility but it's also something that then feeds back onto the real economy as well after all this is washed through yeah where are we sort of where are we going to settle like having an idea of that 
would help anchor the market, I think. On the other hand, the components of the CPI below the 2% target is currently sub 10%. Correct. So it's pretty difficult to judge how long that will take to normalise. As someone who has been making CPI forecasts (laughs) for the best part of nearly 15 years now, this is by far the hardest time to forecast like it's it's really difficult and trying to calibrate all of those things and bring them all together the combination of the labor market the energy price shock the second round effects and the margin rebuild which i think the bank has sort of hinted towards today which is something that we've been talking about for a while but i think that that's becoming important as well squaring all those things off and coming to inflation forecast is is extremely is extremely difficult and yeah we, as you say like the, the forecast error is 0.4 percentage points one month ahead that is enormous it's absolutely enormous. You should be out by 0.1 percentage points at most. Which makes it very tricky to trade the front end of the yield curve. I mean, super tricky. You know, a lot of people have been getting stopped out on longs as they've been trying to forecast the terminal rate and getting to the front end of the market. But then you have a, a CPIB and then you just get completely burnt. So it's it's a very tricky environment to trade the UK market. And it's reflected in the volatility metrics. If we look at the ECB and the Fed, you know, arguably we're talking about how long they stay at the terminal rate as opposed to the level. Whereas for the Bank of England, we're still talking about the level as well as the length, but the level's still very much in focus. Yeah, I mean, as you say, there are two, there are two bits of the the puzzle that are missing, as you say, with the Fed and the ECB, with sort of sort of feels like give or take 25 basis points. We know with the bank, we're you know, we've gone in the space of a month. Like, you know, if you go back to middle of May, peak rate four seventy five, now peak rate nearly six twenty five, a little bit below. I mean you know, it's two hundred basis points, just gone straight into the curve on three beats, so two CPIs and one labour market. Just from a purely economic standpoint, it's it's extremely worrying what's happening with core inflation. I mean we think it'll stabilise next month, but there's no guarantees of that at all, given what we've seen. Going back to the volatility and that that June number, that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be everything for the August decision. Yeah, essentially, that will be that will tell you what they're going to do. So optionality is the key from my perspective as a market practitioner. There's different sources of volatility here. There's wide error bands around forecasts. Optionality is essential in this environment. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I can I just to have a strong conviction on the UK at the moment. It's very, very difficult to have a really strong view. I think the way, definitely the way to think about it is not through your sort of modal view, is think about it through your sort of risk-adjusted view and where do you think the balance of risks lies. I know that's not how forecasts are put together, but if you're thinking about what the Bank of England's going to do and the way inflation's surprised and things like that, that's the way to think about how they might react. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining me on this month's episode, Dan. No problem. It's been great. Thanks. Much appreciated. Thanks. Thanks.